This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's John Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For more information, see johncast.net. In the news this month, water under the surface of Mars and measurements of radiation on the Moon. But first, it's worth noting two major stories which will be covered in more detail in the odds and ends. The first is the announcements being made for the 2020 Nobel Prize in Physics, with both discoveries having some relation to astronomy. I'll quote the Nobel Prize summary from their website for what they're about. The awards were to Roger Penrose, which was for the discovery that black hole formation is a robust prediction of the general theory of relativity. The other half was awarded jointly to Reinhard Genzel and Andrea Guess, and this was for the discovery of a supermassive compact object at the centre of our galaxy. Another thing, which will be covered in more detail next month, is a story about phosphines found on Venus. But in very brief, a paper has been published finding evidence of large quantities of phosphine in the atmosphere of Venus. Phosphine has for a long time been considered a possible chemical to look for if we were searching for life on other planets. The levels of phosphine on Venus are not something the authors are able to explain by currently known processes that don't involve life. However, the most vital thing to point out is a quote from the paper on the discovery, which very clearly states, Even if confirmed, we emphasise that the detection of pH 3 is not robust evidence for life, only for anomalous and unexplained chemistry. Well done, then. So now for the news proper. One interesting piece of news this month is a new paper on the idea of saltwater lakes under the surface of Mars. You see, in 2018, the paper Radar Evidence of Subglacial Liquid Water on Mars was published, which used data taken between 2012 and 2015 using an instrument on the Mars Express spacecraft. And what it suggested was that there was a subsurface saltwater lake hidden under the ice at Mars's South Pole. However, the finding was only made from 29 observations, and there was a good deal of scepticism about the result, for good reason. Published this month is a follow-up. It's using the same instrument, what's called the Mars Advanced Radar, for subsurface and ionosphere sounding, Mars OS. But now, because of the time gap, they've had a much larger data set, around 134 observations. In the original paper, the nature of the body of water cannot be defined in detail. However, now with far more measurements, the paper is able to constrain the spatial distribution of what they refer to as bright areas. You see, the method used is radio echo sounding. You fire radio waves at a surface and measure the reflected signal. These waves travel through ice quite well, and the material underneath determines their reflection, the way they're reflected, allowing areas of what we think is water to be identified. That's what the paper means by bright areas, areas that they claim indicate liquid water. The reflected signal will be different if they're reflected back from same. The new results identify the previous body of water and lead to the discovery of three other bodies around the original one. This is still not conclusive evidence, though. Recall it's the same instrument used to perform the detection. So, without other methods, we might not be entirely sure that the bright spots recorded are actually lit water. However, the fact these spots exist is still interesting, even if we end up demonstrating, say, a slightly different explanation for their existence. We still know that these spots exist, and we still need to explain why they happen.
and what causes them. Another story from the last month is the publishing of the paper First Measurements of the Radiation Dose on the Lunar Surface. The argument for making these sorts of measurements is simple. If we're going to put humans on the moon for long periods of time, we need to consider the effects of radiation. And we would expect the radiation dose received by the lunar surface to be far greater than at Earth's surface, because of the effect of our atmosphere as a radiation shield, with the moon receiving not far off the expected dose in space. During the Apollo missions, astronauts had dosimeters on them. However, what's known as time average radiation data wasn't acquired. This paper measures that with a specialised dosimetry experiment on board the Chang'e 4 lander. In the part of the moon they were measuring, they found an average total absorbed dose rate in silicon, which is the material the dosimeter is made of. They found that as 13.2 plus or minus 1 microgray per hour. Plus they measured what they refer to as the neutral radiation. The radiation field meets the moon and interacts with the lunar soil. This results in the measurement of what they refer to as a neutral particle dose rate of 3.1 plus or minus half microgray per hour. After processing this data, the research results in a dose equivalent rate that they calculate of 57.1 plus or minus 10.6 microsieverts per hour from charged particles. The equivalent dose is used to account for the fact that different forms of radiation have different health effects and attempt to represent the probable health effects of radiation received. As a comparison, this is around a couple of hundred times greater than what would be expected in most places on Earth. The paper itself makes a comparison to the measurement on the International Space Station. The ISS measures around 731 microsieverts per day to their 1,269 microsieverts per day, once you multiply it out. As you can imagine, this does mean interesting problems for long-term occupation on the moon. The paper does point out, however, to quote them, settlements on the moon will provide additional shielding because they will be buried under layers of lunar regolith. While this would decrease the dose rate from charged particles, the absolute contribution from neutrons is expected to increase for shielding constructed from in-situ resources. So what they were going back there in that quote was mentioning the earlier detail about neutral particle dosage from the radiation field interacting with the lunar soil. So overall, this is a very interesting problem to overcome. We have a much higher radiation dose rate compared to on Earth. And of course, higher levels of radiation give you health problems. You're increasingly likely to get cancer, things like that. So this is quite a problem if we're going to put long-term habitation on the moon. And as they mentioned about expecting an increase in the neutral particle dosage, this is then simply not something that we can just solve from sheltering under the lunar surface completely. So overall, an interesting problem to overcome, and it's good that these measurements have been made. That's all I have in the news this month. Back to the studio.